0: Hello guys, how you doing? I thought I would do a follow up today on the parenthood episode to what Georgia and I talked about, um, on Wednesday. So if you haven't listened to that episode last Wednesday, um, I would suggest you go back. It's a really kind of nice conversation between Georgia. If you're new to the podcast, Georgia is my daughter. She's 21. Um, and so we had a really great chat about uh, what it was like to grow up in a pastor's home. And um, it's she's really quite chill. Um, and so I think, um, you know, obviously everyone's got a different story and a different perspective, but it was just good to have her perspective and her side of the story as well. So I thought I would uh, continue on with that a little bit more today. Um, and I wanted to give some essentials on... Um, I guess what we did when it came to raising our kid our kids in a pastor's home with of course Cameron and I both being pastors but myself being a teacher as well. Um, this is a good thing to listen to really even if you own a business or um, you know you're in some sort of other leadership position. Or even if you are someone that just attends a church, it's really good to know these things about perhaps what the pastor's kids in your church, are, you know, what they might be facing and going through. So, um, you know, I know that not many people, especially from some of the messages that I got, not many people have had maybe the same experience that our kids have had with it. Um, you know, I've spoken to grown adults who are still trying to process and get over being raised in a pastor's home. I've also spoken to young adults who uh, they defend their experience, but when I hear their stories, I can hear for myself, even if they don't, um, even if they don't realize that that there are things that I think happened to them that um, I think perhaps maybe shouldn't have happened and probably wouldn't have happened um, if maybe, or, or it was different. Put it this way: it was a different experience to to what our house was like. So I'm going to go through a bunch of what we consider to be essentials. Um, but of course, like I said, everyone's got a, a different approach and a different story. And I think at the end of the day, we all want the same thing, and that is. We want our, uh, especially those of us who are in ministry, we want our kids to thrive. We want our kids to grow up loving God, um, loving church, loving the house, uh, loving their family, um, that's the uh, the outcome that all of us want. Um, but sometimes it feels a little bit like stabbing in the dark as to whether or not we're doing the right things. Okay, so I would have to say that the overarching principle that I think before I get into the 12, where I think a lot of pastor's kids perhaps do suffer, is that we've got the ministry home priority maybe a little bit skew with. Uh, many of the negative experiences that I hear are uh, because we're not following or we've got that those priorities um, a little bit muddled. Um, And I deeply, deeply believe the principle in the Bible about having our own house in order. And so these essentials, I've got 12 of them, will explain, I guess, how to do that, how to get your own house in, in order first, because I really do get it. It really is easy for ministry to take precedence over the home, not because you mean for it to, or you want it to. It's just that Ministry is a really, really hungry beast. And Cameron and I had to keep coming back to this over and over again because there were times when it got out of balance in our household and then things just felt really skewed. With and the kids would, you know, I, I could tell as a mum that they weren't coping. Uh, like, for example, Cameron booked himself a few times, but two years in a row, I think he missed Liam's graduation in year six and year seven. Or he missed one of the kids' birthdays once. And so, you know, ministry being a hungry beast, it will spill out all into your family life if you're not constantly watchful. And so Cameron and I would stop and we'd get together and we'd be like, okay, we've got to set some ground rules. I think it's really important for you guys as parents to set some ground rules. Otherwise, if you don't plan, you plan to fail, as the saying goes. I mean, even with my kids being um, almost grown you know, an example, A most recent example was last week, we had our state pastors conference, which was running on the Sunshine Coast from Monday to Thursday. Now it was Ashton's 17th birthday on the Thursday. Now some people might go, oh, you know, he'll be right. He's 17. He's grown up. It doesn't matter if you're not there, you know, whatever, wake up on and there's no one home, but also one of the other kids was not here as well. So he would have literally woken up with one other child here. And so we made a decision, well, I'm going to come back Wednesday night so that he's not going to wake up on his own. And you know what? People at state conference didn't miss me. Um, My kids will always, this is how I see it. Our kids will always be in our lives. And those people at state conference probably won't always be in our lives. And so Um, That's kind of the priority that we filter things through. Let me give you another example too, so that you can hear what I'm saying. I remember hearing this years ago um, uh, from a, actually from a female pastor at a conference, quite a significant conference and a significant female um, pastor was telling this story from the stage. And it's these kinds of stories that probably set my alarm bells off and helped me to, formulate and be clear about what we did want for our family and how we did want ministry to roll in our family. So I remember this female pastor who amazing preacher, by the way, but her daughter was not coping with her schedule and the busyness of, of her mum. And she was about nine at the time. And so she was really struggling with how much her mum was away and she was being looked after by a nanny a lot of the time. And so she spoke to her mum. She was really upset. And her mum actually told this story at conference and uh, she was so proud of her response to her daughter, which was, she said to her daughter, look, you need to put your big girl pants on basically, because if I, if I'm called, then, then you're called too, And I, that kind of shocked me because I was a bit like, whoa, I don't see it that way that just because I'm called that she's called too. Um, And if that were me, I would have canceled my schedule. I would have readjusted because she clearly was struggling and she was telling her mum she was struggling. It actually turned out that that girl grew up with some mental, quite a few mental health issues as well. And I'm, you know, look, who knows? Well, I don't know the rest of their lives or her story. So I don't know exactly why, but, um, you know, I, I don't know if the two are connected, but I just took note of that. And so when I hear things like that, it gave me the opportunity to go, okay, that might be good for that family, but that's not how I want to roll. So here we go. The first thing, the most important thing, I think, is that we need to have our life priorities in the right order, which for us is God, family, and then ministry. So God always first. Okay. He's always the center of our home and our lives, but then our family, our home comes next. Because like I said, if we don't have our home in order, we don't have anything. The kids always knew that we would give, um, we could give or take ministry. Now, serving God and loving God is, um, is definitely a priority that's a non-negotiable. It's a value of our family. But if one of our kids was not coping because of the demands of ministry, we would say to them, guys, we would give it up in a heartbeat. Um, So what we did do though, and we never had to, by the way, because they always coped, which was amazing. But we chose for me to be home so that the kids had the consistency of one parent. Um, I remember a time um, when, you know, um, there were times when, yes, that meant it released Cameron, but we still even had to prioritize how much he was away. And sometimes I would put my foot down and I'd be like, you know what? I can tell the kids are not coping. You need to pull back on your schedule. And he was really good at working together on that. And I would also tell the kids, you know, I would say, Hey, when dad goes away, um, you're releasing dad. And that's amazing. And um, we love you guys for that. And thank you for that so there's a bit of a balance there okay number two surround them with really good friends our kids have always been surrounded by great friends in the church because that way going to church is so fun and enjoyable my kids always wanted to be there they so looked forward to going because they were going to hang out with their friends Uh, i remember a time where one of them was struggling to make friends Um, one of the boys who was a little bit older. And so I'm like, you know what, bud, let's pray about that. And it was amazing to watch God answer that little prayer for him. Number three, beware the pendulum swing. What do I mean? I tend to see two kind of things happening when it comes to pastor's kids. On the one side, I see them being given too much. And on the other side, I see them sometimes being treated too harsh. And so we've got to be careful that it doesn't go from one end to the other, but we keep a, a happy medium. So what do I mean by being given too much? I mean, it could be anything, given too much special treatment, too many opportunities that they're not really ready for. They could be too spoiled, treated like little celebrities. That's just a big no-no in my book for it to go that end. Um, Not, you know, we didn't elevate our kids because too much too soon is not wise to put on little shoulders. But on the other hand, uh, we had to be careful too that we're not expecting too much and that we're too tough on them because we feel other people's pressure for our kids to be seen a certain way. And so it's really hard not to, you know, get into one of those pendulum swings. And you can get into both, by the way. Number four Let others help them discover their gifts. Georgia and I talked about this uh, in Wednesday's episode. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, can they play soccer or football, right? Like, of course, as parents, we see and we nurture our kids' gifts and their interests and their talents. I'm talking more about their gifts within church space. So Georgia talked about, you know, people assuming that she'd been given opportunity to sing because of our position. And we kind of delved into that. We've taught our kids to not worry about what other people think. And the truth is all of our kids are serving in spaces, not because Cameron and I put them in those spaces, but because other people, other trusted leaders in their lives, helped them to discover or saw gifts and invited them in. Um, the danger can be that if we don't let other people we trust, not just anyone and not everyone, but a few people that we trust, if we don't let other people speak into their lives, the danger can be that our big kids become untouchable and that no one can come and, you know, tell us anything you know about them, um, and that's not helpful to our kids. And an arrogance can build up. I've seen that as well, um, and I've I've seen I've observed that myself. Um, or entitlement builds up because you know their parents run the church. So make sure you let trusted other people speak into their lives, even if it's one or two. And it really does give your kids that extra confidence as well that they've really earned where they're serving. They're not being given it because they're your children. Number five, uh, this is another big one. Let your expectations on your kids uh, come from your values as a family, not your job as a pastor. Let me say that again. So let your expectations come from your values as a family not because of your job as a pastor. So if you remember nothing else, remember this one. So all behavior and expectations and standard and standards and rules that we had were guided by our values. Okay. We would have had them regardless of if we were pastors or not. So we didn't have these standards because we were pastors. We had them because they Uh, were a part of our family values. So for example, we go to church every week, not because we run it, but because that's what we do because we love God. Uh, We expected when the kids were young for them to be well-behaved. Again, not because we were afraid of what the people in the church might say because they were the pastor's kids, but because that's what we expected everywhere we went as a family. So let your values drive your life, okay? Not your position. Number six, minimize the labels. Now, of course, I'm talking about the label PK, pastor's kid. Georgia and I talked about this further in Wednesday's episode, but I want to hit it up again. We basically told our kids that this whole PK thing is only a thing if you let it be. We never use that term in our household. Um, I know some people might say, you know, but it is different and it is special being a pastor's kid. And I've heard people say there's more of a weight you know, to being a pastor's kid than kids of other parents. But the way that Cameron and I see it is that weight is not for the kids to carry. They didn't ask to be born into a pastor's household. That weight is a weight that we should carry and protect them from. And yes, do you know what? There are going to be upsides and downsides and benefits and drawbacks to being a pastor's kid, but those exist in the life of every child, depending on what their parents do. And the way that we roll as a family is the same way that we would roll no matter what Cameron's and my job would have been. So just be aware of people who want to use the label, maybe to get special treatment or to get favor or to manipulate, or maybe the kids themselves or other people using it as an excuse um, for poor behavior. You know, oh, it doesn't matter. They're the PK. You know, some people almost like, oh, of course they're rebellious because they're the PK. No, you know that just, um, just beware of that, and don't let anyone put that label on your kids. You know, I look at it, look at it like this: what if I were a school principal? It would be exactly the same. Um, In fact, guys, I actually taught the school principal's daughter at my last school and he was very much dad when we chatted about her. He also never allowed special treatment because of it. He handled it so well. She was very much just one of the kids, like all the other kids in the class. And um, my kids were and are the same in church world. So and I think because of that, they're very grounded And, um, you know, every now and then there are a few people that will try to be friends with them because they're our kids, but they tend to sniff that out pretty quick. Even in their friendships, we've told them, look, be kind to everyone, but you don't have to be friends with everyone just because you're our kids. Um, And so all three of them are surrounded by good friends who they love, who they choose to be friends with, um, and their friends just don't care who their parents are. And, you know, look, if they get wind that someone's trying to be their friend for that reason, they're kind, but they just don't give it any airtime. Okay. So that's, that's all I want to say more on that, on the whole label thing. But that was, that was pretty big in our house. We're like, no, doesn't exist. Not a thing. And just minimized it because I think because of the perception I've seen it have before and the expectation and the pressure I've seen those labels have on the actual pastor's kids. Number seven, this follows on from that. Treat them like every other kid in the church. Now, some people might not agree with this, but this is what we did. Are your kids special? Yes, but guess what? So is every child in your church. Elevating a child because of their parents' position also, by the way, just does not fly with this generation. They're they're pretty good now with that. Um, same with serving. My kids serve hard because they want to they pay for conferences, they line up like everyone else, they get on the bus with everyone else. Um, So yeah, just don't, um, don't treat them any different. So some might say, oh, but they get special privileges, but you know what? Any kid gets special privileges in their parents' workplace. They might, you know, if you're the kid of the, the corner shop owner, you probably get a few extra bags of lollies. Or if you're a mechanic's kid, you get your car fixed for free. If you're a hairdresser's kid, you get your hair done for free. And I know people would say again, look, but there's a spiritual weight to it. But like I've said, that's not of their choosing. Parents need to carry that weight, not the children. All right. Number eight, let ministry as they get older, let ministry be a conviction that they come to by themselves. Um, So, uh, for example, we've um, we've never like asked a guest to prophesy or anything like that over our kids. My kids actually shy away from that kind of stuff. Um, we've never told them if God might have spoken to us or we felt God might have spoken to us about their future. We don't tell them that. They're each on their own journey. Um, we don't mind what they do. We encourage them to go, you know, it's good for them to be out under a secular boss. And if any of them end up in ministry, it's not an expectation for us. It would be because of their own conviction and because they felt God uh, has put that on their life. Number nine, we're nearly there. Put them in places where they can encounter God for themselves. Now, again, this would be something I would do with my kids, regardless of if we were pastors. Um, I think any child or any teenager um, it, particularly teenagers. If you're the parent of a teenager, um, but even more so with uh, with your kids, make sure you send them to youth camp and conferences. Put them in places where they can encounter God for themselves, because that's super good for them. Number ten, be more ambitious for the role of mum and dad than for the role of pastor. I'll say that again: be more ambitious for the role of mum and dad than the role of pastor. So I kind of say it like this, don't sacrifice your kids on the altar of ministry. Don't be so ambitious for gigs in ministry that you are ignoring or neglecting your children. And by the way, sometimes we don't think that we are, but we really need to be reading our kids a lot. Um, I grew up watching pastors in our church when I was a teenager spend so much time, and I quote, unquote, in the ministry that they were not there for their family. And it didn't end well in most of the families that I observed. Uh, the kids ended up walking away from God. Um, and so I think we just have to be really careful for that. Um, I know some, especially mums, uh, females might struggle and think, well, where? what about me? What about my opportunities? Um, again, I probably saw the perspective of, look, if those opportunities come, then we'll work around it. You can work around that. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But the only opportunity I really wanted was to raise wonderful kids who loved us and loved God. And I understood that this season of child rearing is short and there'll be plenty of time where I can, um, you know, invest in in other spaces. Uh, I can't tell you how many conferences I did, you know, as the kids were growing up. Um, so here's an example. I did, I did preach in places, but I picked it, picked very carefully where I went. I made sure Cameron was home on those days so that he could look after the kids. And I prepared at night when they were asleep. And then, sorry, if you can hear banging, one of them is walking in and out banging the door, um, I prepared at nighttime when they were asleep and then I either brought one of them with me or, um, or yeah, like I said, they stayed home with Cameron. I saw probably in the, uh, when my kids were growing up, a lot of the other, um, female pastors were using nannies or childcare for me. I didn't feel right about that. So I never used either of those. So that's kind of how I did it. I could still preach away, but I really worked around it. Okay. Two more guys. Number 11, for helping you if you're raising pastor's kids. Don't let your pressure become their pressure. Again, this one's a bit tricky because kids are pretty intuitive and they know when mum and dad are under pressure and ministry can be a lot of pressure at times. And this includes spiritual weight as well, but don't put adult burdens on kids' shoulders. Um, So an example of the spiritual weight might be you know, like we might be heading into a, I don't know, a a fasting season or we're about to have youth camp or something like that. And all of a sudden my kids would start having nightmares and I'd be thinking, oh, okay, obviously the spiritual atmosphere is ramping up. Now I would never put that on my kids and say, hey, you're having nightmares because mum and dad are about to run a camp and God's about to do something amazing. Now, as true as that might be, how petrifying for your kids to go, oh, great, I'm going to be having nightmares now because mum and dad are about to run a camp. So that's that's what I mean about, um, you know, don't pass that pressure down. So um, we would obviously ramp up our prayer behind the scenes, but I wouldn't tell my kids that. So just be aware of not putting adult burdens on kids' shoulders. That could be financial. That could be time. It could be people pressure because kids do take on their parents' pressure, even if they don't say anything. And number 12, which is my final point, um, and again, I think this is so important. I think number one, five and 12 have kind of been the really important ones. Have a distinct boundary between work and home. I think I said it a few moments ago, ministry has a way of overtaking and bleeding into all aspects of your life. My kids would probably say, Cameron and I talk about work way too much at home, but they're a little bit older now. So um, I think when they were younger, we probably would Better at switching off, Um, but having a distinct boundary between work and home is really necessary, especially when they're younger. Now, yes, being a pastor is a call, but the work of a pastor is just that it's work. And for us, once the kids came home from school, I was mum. Cameron was still at work, I was mum. Also, the nights were ours. When they were very little and they went to bed early, we would have people over and we would counsel. But as they got older into those primary and high school years, we kept the nights as ours. We didn't counsel at night, or if we did, it was after they went to bed. Because in our view, you know what? People could wait. We could schedule them in another time. There really are very few emergencies where people need you right this instant, Um, and so your kids shouldn't have to share you with ministry. Dinner time was for us as a family, you know, after school, they've got extracurricular activities. So I was always running them around and I didn't want to then be running them around only to come home, quickly shove dinner in their mouths, um, because we had people coming over all the time. Um, so we had a really big patch of time in their, in their primary school, in high school years where home was very much home and we kept all ministry kind of out of the home. And I don't regret that at all because it's really easy for ministry to kind of, like I said, bleed into and overtake. And guys there are plenty of other people to shoulder the load. Okay. That's really important because we can tend to kind of really be, want to be heroes because that's kind of what we do. We love people, we help people, but we have to draw a line in the sand. All right. So no doubt you could add more, no doubt you've had, um, know experiences where you could go, oh my gosh, I could add five more to those. But I hope that those have helped you a little bit. And I'm really sorry if you're someone that's had a bad experience with um, growing up in a pastor's home. But like I said, I have no doubt that every parent that I know has always had the best intention. And I think as we become adults, we can process things a bit better. And um, and I think we need to, you know, as we become adults, give our pastor parents a little bit of slack that they were doing the best that they could with what they knew at the time. So there you go, guys. I hope that that helped you pass it on to perhaps people in leadership that you know, and I hope that it helps them too. I know for Cameron and I, uh, obviously those things have worked. We've got three adult, well, two adult, one almost adult um, kid child person in our household um and yeah we we love our family we they love each other um they love church they love god they love serving in church and so we're really blessed indeed and um i just want to encourage you as well if perhaps you have got a child who is away from god um i want to encourage you guys as well cameron's mum She is a total prayer warrior in this area. And all three of her kids, actually, Cameron obviously included, stepped away from God for a good period of time. And she prayed them back. She would go into their bedrooms. She would pray over their pillows, over their shoes. And she really did pray them back in. And, um, you know, I know that if you've brought them up, to love God, that they never forget that. And God's word never returns void. And I'm a a huge believer and believing with you, even though I might not know you, that your kids um, will return to the faith. So please be encouraged if that's you. Anyway, guys, I love you all. Have a wonderful week and I will be back with you next Wednesday. Until then, bye.